Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on the Divine Messages podcast. My name is Karina, and I am a psychic medium out of Calgary, Alberta. Today, I've been guided to do an episode about toxic relationships. Since I've started this podcast, I've shared so many things about my husband and my marriage, but what I've never discussed is the difficult relationship I had prior to him. It came up the other day in a session with a client because I was trying to help them to understand that they should never settle for less than they deserve. And then the point came up that sometimes we don't actually realize what we do deserve. It's hard to see when we are caught up in an unhealthy relationship. No friend, no family member, and no one can make you see it unless you see it for yourself. So today we're going to journey back in time to the 20-year-old Karina. This part of my life is something that I don't discuss very often, and not because I can't discuss it, more that I can't believe this story was even a part of my life. It honestly feels like a lifetime ago, and I suppose it kind of is. And honestly, I wasn't sure if I would even share it on this podcast. Again, not because I have a difficult time talking about it, but because I feel as if I've put that time frame to rest. I had made peace with all of it because that entire journey led me into the arms of my soulmate and my happiness. But what I have realized in the last couple of days is that this part of my life can maybe save someone else from a difficult relationship. So here we go, back in time. I met this guy at a lounge bar in a hotel in San Jose, Costa Rica. And at that time in my life, I had zero self-worth. I was lonely and I was continuously running from everything and everyone. It wasn't at all a love at first sight kind of thing. It was more like, okay, this person can maybe help me to be happy. Now, if you've listened to any of my other episodes, you would remember that I've been through many, many dark times in my life, and that day that I had met him was also during one of those dark periods. Anyways, the next day he was leaving to go back to his home in Costa Rica, which was about five hours from the city, and he had asked me if I wanted to go up there and stay with him for a while. And even though I had just met him the night before, I agreed. I went back to my apartment a couple of days later, packed up a bunch of my things, and took the four-hour bus ride to go meet him. Honestly, what the hell was I thinking? I was 20 years old, living in a foreign country, traveling by bus to go stay with some strange guy four hours from where I was living at the time. That's how lost I was in my life. I just didn't care. Anyway, so he picks me up from the bus stop. It was late and dark, and I was a little nervous, but not like I should have been. So we get to his house that he had owned, and it was small and cute, but it wasn't finished at all. It didn't even have glass screens on the windows, and he had picked me up in an old beat-up van that barely worked. Anyways, I ended up staying and living with him for three months, and those three months are actually a blur for me. I don't have very vivid memories of what we did over those three months, but then one day he said that he needed to go back to the States and asked if I wanted to move there with him. Now, I know that I wasn't really in love with him, but that young 20-year-old me clung to him because I really was that lost in my life. So I flew home to Canada, told my parents I was moving to Texas with him, and they knew that I was dead set on it and nothing would change my mind. My mom's sister lived in Texas at the time and was only about an hour and a half away from where I was going to be living. So my parents decided that they were going to make the 35-hour drive to meet him and take my stuff to live with him and see my aunt at the same time. As hard as my parents were on me, they obviously cared enough to meet the guy that I was going to live with in another foreign country. I remember the day I arrived so clearly. He came to the vehicle to meet my parents and help me carry all of my stuff up to his little apartment. It was in a really nice area near downtown Austin, and I settled in pretty fast. I found out that he had a nice motorcycle and also a nice SUV that he said that I could drive. 
but sadly, I didn't really know much about him before moving there. I knew he was in university and didn't have a job, but I never asked how he managed to pay for everything. Slowly over time, I found out that his father was extremely wealthy, and I'm talking multi, multi-millionaire, and that he paid for every single thing. He paid for our apartment, our vehicles, shopping, partying, every little thing. I have never cared about what someone had. I cared if they were kind to me. I met him and liked him, thinking that he was a poor surfer guy. Everything about his life in Costa Rica was so modest, and then I moved to the States and find out that him and his family were so wealthy. It made me uncomfortable in so many ways knowing that his father paid for everything. I was so used to working my butt off taking care of myself. Anyways, with that financial, let's call it freedom, came trouble. He never spoiled me in any lavish ways. I never asked for it, nor did he ever offer it. I wasn't that girl. But the trouble came because we went out almost every other night to eat, and as we would go out, we drank. Now, I always had issues with alcohol, but having no limit to buy any fancy drink that I wanted became the problem. We were drinking way too much. We would drink double shots, non-stop, and then that's when things in our relationship took a turn. We started to fight, and I mean fight, over everything. He then started to go out more on his own and not come home until about 3 a.m. most nights. I was starting to feel so lonely living there. I couldn't work as I didn't have a green card or visa, and he would be gone all day to school and then out so many nights a week partying with who knows who. And I sat in a tiny apartment continuously cleaning the same thing over and over again just because I didn't know what else to do with my time. The fighting was just getting worse by the day. The more I would question his missing in action times, the angrier he got. He started to shove me out of the way when he didn't want to talk anymore, and I took it. Then one night, after going out on the town drinking, we had gone home, and I will never forget this day for the rest of my life. He had all of a sudden started yelling at me, and his eyes just changed. He became mean, scary, and way out of line. We were in the bedroom arguing, and I told him that I was going to call my aunt and cousin to just come get me. I wanted out of there and away from him. I didn't want to fight, and yet he kept at it. I finally stood up from the bed that I was sitting on and tried to leave the room. He had blocked the bedroom door with his body, and he wasn't going to let me past him. I remember crying and begging for him to just let me go, and when I tried to slide past him, he grabbed my arm so hard and literally threw me across the room. And we didn't have a proper bed. We only had a mattress that sat on one of those old metal bed frames. Well, he threw me so hard that I went backwards into the corner of it. My whole backside was throbbing. I remember the amount of fear that I felt in that moment. I knew that I needed out of that room as soon as possible. So even in pain, I stood up and I begged him to let me out. And then he grabbed me and threw me into the wall. Now in Texas, it's not drywall. The walls there are concrete. I hit the corner of the wall so hard, my face smashed brutally hard against it. Within a second, I could taste so much blood. My lip was all cut open. My forehead was swollen. I ran past him bleeding and ran out onto the street and called 911. I also called my aunt. Her and my cousin drove an hour and a half at 2 a.m. to come pick me up. I took all of my things. I was leaving him for good. I cried the whole way to their place. The next morning I woke up, I felt as if I had been in a major car accident. My whole body was a mess. The bruise on my backside was so purple and swollen and was the size of a soccer ball. 
I remember being absolutely terrified to look at my face in the mirror, but when I did, I saw how swollen my lip was. It was so swollen that I could barely talk. My teeth throbbed in a way that I've never felt before. And when I finally did have the courage to look, I just cried and I cried and I cried. Why had I allowed myself to stay with someone who could hurt me like this? I couldn't even eat solid food for three full days. I found out that I have a hairline fracture down my front tooth that to this day, every new dentist mentions to me. He started calling me the following day after this happened and at first I refused to answer. But after three days of him trying to reach out, I finally took his call. He apologized and he had said that he had wanted me to come back home. And at first I felt as if I could never go back, but he was pretty convincing and I agreed. He drove to me the following day and when he arrived, I thought he would look extremely remorseful or at least embarrassed by his actions. But instead, he had a goofy smile on his face. I tried to tell him how badly he hurt me and that I was still in so much pain. He then asked to see my backside as I had told him how badly bruised it was. I still remember exactly what I was wearing that day and what he did. I was wearing a white, short, flowy skirt, and he turned me around, lifted up my skirt, and laughed. And not only did he laugh, but then he slapped me so hard on that backside, on the bruise, and made a joke about it. Instantly, my eyes filled with tears, not only from the pain, but because he wasn't sorry at all. And yet, I still went home with him. The next few months didn't improve in any way. There are many stories in between, but too many to share. Let's just say there were a couple of other times that the police were involved, and it was a total of three times that I actually left him, but something always brought me back. When he had finished university, he wanted us to move up to Dallas where he was from. He actually wanted me to move into his father's home where he lived with his wife. Again, I agreed. I didn't have much of a voice, and after we moved there, I spent most of my time with his stepmom. She was so kind to me, but what I did notice was that she did anything and everything that his father had asked. I thought we had a problem before with liquor, but living there was a constant happy hour. It wasn't very long after we moved in there that he took me to meet his mom and stepdad. She was absolutely incredible. She was so wonderful to me, and one night she had had a long talk with me about alcohol. She had shared with me that she had been sober for 20 years and was still going to weekly AA meetings. She told me that she was so worried about her son as she knew he had a major problem, but she quietly whispered to me one night that she knew that I also had a problem with drinking, and she was so worried about me that she even wrote a letter to my parents telling them that I needed help ASAP. And yet, neither of us listened. I never felt good enough for his father. He always made me feel that I was trying to use his son for money, but if he would remember that I met his son while he was living as a beach bum. I didn't even find out about their wealth until I moved to Texas, and the type A person in me was stir-crazy. I was used to working my butt off, and not being able to work was getting to me. So one night we had had a conversation about how it would be good if I could just work there and not be so bored. So he told me that we should just get married, and I could get my green card, and I said yes. There was no proposal, no loving moment that some girls dream about. It was all just so matter-of-fact. I didn't even have an engagement ring, but again, I'm not one of those girls that needed it at the time. And I mean, I could have asked for a very expensive ring as he had the means to buy one, but I never said a word. So anyways, we started to plan this wedding. 
We decided to do it in Lake Tahoe, and for a couple of months the fighting sort of subsided. Not completely, but a little bit. We had everything all arranged, and I was trying to convince myself that I was happy. I thought that this would be the fix for our relationship. We ordered wedding bands, bought all of our tickets to Lake Tahoe. We had every detail from the hotel to the dinner all set. Everything was planned. So I flew back home to Canada to buy my dress, and my brother was living in Costa Rica at that time, and he bought two tickets, one to come to Canada and the other to go to the wedding in Lake Tahoe. I was only to be home for two weeks, and then my entire family was to fly with me to meet his there. All of the dresses were bought. Every last detail was finalized. I was ready to go. Then one day, about a week and a half before the wedding, I got a large envelope in the mail. It was from a lawyer. So my father and I read it together, and it was a 35-page prenuptial agreement. It not only excluded me to the multi-millions that he had had, but I would only be entitled to my clothes and personal items that I brought into the U.S. with me. But the thing that put my father over the edge was that in there, it stated that if we had had children, they would not be allowed to leave the state of Texas until they were 18. My father sat there in disbelief. He looked me dead in the eye and told me that I would be signing my life away. And I remember sobbing into my hands for what seemed like hours. I was confused, hurt, sad. Not once did I ever take advantage of his money. Not once. It seemed so unfair. I can honestly say that now I do kind of understand to a degree, but back then my father did not, and really I didn't either at the time. And yet I was willing to sign it and go. In my heart, I knew that I never wanted a dime from him. And I do understand that they were protecting themselves, but in that moment, I was left so lost. My dad even went as far as contacting my good friends to have them help me to open my eyes. They took me out to dinner the next night and tried to help me see that marrying this person, who continued to hurt me, was a mistake. I went home that night more confused than ever. My father must have seen that this person was not for me because the next day he told me that if I chose to sign those papers and marry him, that he would disown me. It was now exactly one week before the wedding, and something had come over me that was so strong. I made the decision to cancel it. It took everything in my power to make that phone call to him. He was so upset, but knew that I was confused and hurt. He told me that he should have warned me that the prenup was coming. So from there, he begged me to just fly to Lake Tahoe anyways to meet him and his family as everything was already paid for. He said that we could see how we felt about continuing our relationship. Somehow, I got sucked back into that energy and went back to live with him in Dallas after our trip to Tahoe. Our relationship was toxic. I was so unhappy, but I chose to stay. We continued to fight over every small thing, and yet I didn't know how to walk away. I knew that my parents could feel how unhappy I was, and they asked me to go to Costa Rica for two weeks with them. Even though my relationship with them was also extremely toxic, I am glad and grateful that I went with them, as that was the trip that changed my life forever. I got to hang out with a bunch of my old friends from there. I went to the beach every day to clear my head, and one day I had a full aha moment. It was as if the brightest light had gone off in my head. I finally realized that I was done. I knew that I wanted to be happy and that our relationship was suffocating me. I recognized that it was beyond toxic and I needed out. I am so grateful that I decided not to marry him that day. I called him once I got back to Canada after the two weeks away, and I told him that I had made the decision to leave for good. I didn't even think twice again. 
I knew in my heart I was finally done. He was shocked, but he knew this time that I meant it. I asked for him to ship my things to Canada, which he did, including our wedding bands. It was finally over. For about a year after we broke up, I stopped believing that love existed. All I knew from what I believed to be love was heartache. I honestly didn't think that good men existed. I didn't want to even allow myself to get so seriously involved again, or at least for a very long time anyways. Well, one day I was out for a walk with one of my girlfriends and she started to tell me that love does exist. She had met her soulmate and they were so connected and in love. I told her that I didn't believe that it was possible for me, but she said something to me that day that changed my life. She said to me that once I met my soulmate, I would know without a doubt that he was my person for this life. She asked me if I had felt that with my ex, and I thought long and hard about that while we were walking, but I simply answered, no, no he wasn't. I questioned him right from the beginning. I tried to convince myself that I was happy, but I knew deep down that he was never my person, nor was I in love. Anyways, fast forward a few months, and my girlfriends dragged me to go out one night to their friend's place. My childhood BFF really wanted me to go meet this friend of hers named Nick. So I go to their friend's apartment and we all sat down to have a drink and sitting across from me was this Nick guy. And as cheesy as this sounds, the minute, and I say the minute, we locked eyes, my heart felt the most incredible magnetic draw to him. It wasn't lust, it was a moment of home. We were both so drawn towards each other that he even came to sit next to me to talk and it was in that moment that I felt like I had known him my entire life. I had gone out with that group a few more times and each time we were like two magnets that couldn't stay away from each other. And at the time I was casually dating a friend of mine, but neither of us were in love. In fact, he was still madly in love with his ex and I was just lonely. So we kind of just kept each other company. But after meeting Nick, I knew that I had to tell my friend that it was over because I had fallen madly in love. I remember telling him that day in my driveway and he started to cry, which made me feel horrible. I never wanted to hurt anyone, but I had to be brutally honest with him and I reminded him that he was still in love with his ex and I was just a band-aid and he actually agreed and we ended it. I went running to Nick and told him that I had been honest with my friend and that we both knew that we were just holding each other up. Nick was so happy and so was I. We were so connected, so in love and I knew without a doubt, we knew without a doubt, that we were meant for each other. Two weeks after we met, yes, it all happened so fast, he moved in with me. And just two months after that, he proposed to me and I said yes. There wasn't an ounce of hesitation. I knew in every part of my being that he was my soulmate, my best friend, and the man for me. And I remember contacting my girlfriend not long after and saying to her that I finally got it. True love and soulmate relationships do exist, and I've lost count of how many times I've told clients that very story about what she told me. I try to help them see that good people do exist. In the beginning, yes, I did think it was too good to be true. I allowed myself to love, but I was slightly on edge waiting for him to change and become abusive or mean, but he never did, not in our entire 24 years together. That is when you know that it is real love. Love does not hurt. Love isn't mean, abusive, or negative. Real love warms your soul. It's when two people have a deep mutual respect and understanding for each other. 
It is when you are with them that your entire being lights up. It is also when you can truly let go and be yourself. That is real love. I truly never ever thought that it existed. I thought that it was all just fictional and that it was just in the movies, but I'm telling you, it does exist. And that's why I felt it's so important for me to do this episode. I wanted to help people that may be in a relationship that they are questioning. When it's real love, you never question it. And sure, there may be a few ups and downs along the way, but everything in true love is done as a team. Back when I was 17, I worked at a woman's shelter as part of my high school credit. I remember every time a new woman would come into the shelter with her children, I remember thinking, why would anyone ever stay in an abusive relationship for so long? Some of those women would tell me that it wasn't the first time that they had left their abuser. And back then, I thought, geez, how can anybody stay? How could they just not walk away? But then fast forward three years, and I myself got caught up in a situation that I would never have expected for my life. I stayed with someone who hurt me. I also tried to leave those three times, and yet I kept going back. I now understand why it happens, though, and I hope that maybe this episode will be an eye-opener for whoever needs it. And hopefully by shedding some light on why we choose to stay will be just what is needed to find the strength to walk away and feel deserving of good. So let's go through a little list of why people cannot or choose not to leave an abusive relationship. Number one, emotional abuse can literally destroy a person's self-esteem. Someone that is in an emotional abusive relationship may not even realize that they are being abused because no violence is present. They slowly become worthless and may feel that there is no other option for them. Number two, it may be extremely dangerous for a person to leave their partner. Not only could it potentially be emotionally difficult to leave, but also it could be life-threatening, and they feel that there is no way out. Number three, they are caught up in a cycle of abuse. A cycle of abuse happens when an abusive situation occurs and their abuser then does something to try to be nice, either by apologizing or promising it will never happen again, yet it does. Number four, they may be manipulated or under control in some way. They may even leave their partner several times before the final time, but they feel guilty for leaving and choose to stay. Number five, they believe that their partner can change. A lot of people stay because they love them and they feel bad for them and they always try to see the best in them. Number six, they may be fearful of how others will react if they leave. They may feel embarrassed, worry about being judged, blamed, or even pitied. Number seven, they share a life together and that may be children, a marriage, or even finances. And they may feel trapped and do not see a way out at all. There may be many elements that can influence a person's decision to stay in a partnership and that may not always be an abusive relationship, but can be a loveless relationship. But they fear many things and don't know how to walk away. I understand how it can be difficult to end a partnership when you feel so much is invested in the relationship. It isn't easy to speak up and end something that isn't serving you. But what I do know is that I am beyond grateful that I had a voice and the courage back then to cancel a wedding one week before. I listened to that inner knowing, that intuition that eventually I trusted enough to leave for good. And here I am today, married to my best friend, 24 years together, two children together, and I can't imagine my life any other way. So I want to leave you all with this today. I believe true love does exist. Soulmates exist. 
But I also believe that the reason not everyone has found this is because they settle for less than what they deserve. Now let me say this again, love does not hurt. Love does not coexist with fear. No one has the right to treat you poorly, and you do have every right to stand up for yourself and walk away. I realize that it's not always easy to do, but when there is a will, there is a way. If you are in an abusive relationship, again, whether that be physical, emotional, or even sexual, pray for the strength and guidance to help you leave. If you are in a relationship that is toxic or loveless, pray for the clarity to make the decision to help you feel deserving of true love, real love. If you are afraid and in need of help, please find a local emergency shelter. They will discreetly take you in and give you the help and tools you need to recover. Thank you all so much for joining me today on the Divine Messages podcast and for listening to my story. I want to end today's episode with these amazing quotes. You don't let go of a bad relationship because you stop caring about them. You let go because you finally start caring about yourself. And your relationship should erase your tears, not your smile. True love doesn't hurt, it heals. And lastly, it hurts to let go, but sometimes it hurts more to hold on. If you would like to book a reading with me, I can be reached at www.divinemessages.ca or on Instagram at Divine Messages 333 or at the Divine Messages Podcast, as well as on Facebook under Divine Messages or the Divine Messages Podcast. Please bear in mind that the perspectives and opinions represented in this podcast are based solely on the Divine Messages interpretations. We can in no way be held responsible for the actions of our followers.